What up, homies? Welcome to Women of Impact. And today, I'm so freaking excited to share this episode with you. My guest today is the incredible, freaking badass CEO, mum, and host of the epic podcast, Goal Diggers. Guys, she has been such a freaking inspiration to me and so many other women. And so today, we dive deep on how on earth we can get unstuck how we can check in on ourselves and how we can actually make ourselves a priority by asking ourselves the hard questions. So guys, we don't have to get stuck with all the shoulds anymore. In today's episode, we learn how on earth we set boundaries so that we can really be the hero of our own life. So guys, welcome my girl, my homie, Jenna Kutcher. Jenna Katja, welcome to Women of Impact. Thank you. This is a this is a dream come true, and this operation you are legit. This is so legit. All right, I, let's just pause here then, because here's the thing: when I first met you, yeah. I was so nervous because I'm like, oh my god, your podcast is huge. I was so scared. Isn't that funny? And then, how did you feel about me? I so it's actually funny because when I interviewed you for my show, we shared the story about how. You were like, I'm going to level up until I'm ready for it. And I was like, she probably has no idea I even exist. And it's just crazy how our brains do stuff like that. It's I, wild. It is so wild that literally I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, okay, I have to be so good so that when I reach out to Jenna, maybe ask her to be on the podcast. Or maybe I need to just get good enough for her to ask me before I ask her. Yeah. Okay, Lisa, put your head down. Keep working. Keep working. And there you are going, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know. You were nervous to meet me. Isn't that funny? I know I did to start this right here, but it's so beautiful. Do you think any of that is why so many of us are stuck right now and unhappy? I mean, I was thinking about it today because I'm like, our minds weave so many stories and loop them. And you talk about this in your book where it's these narratives that just keep playing for us. And it's really interesting because I think we're at a very fascinating time and I can't wait to hear your take on this where women are really seeking out like what is my identity? But a lot of times when we ask that question, we're looking externally of like who do people say I am Mm -hmm. or how do people describe me or what are the titles people use for me? And we're looking at like identity from a lens of like, well, what would I tell someone if I change? And so it's crazy when we think about like our initial friendship and relationship that was like when it was just starting, these loops in our brains were on totally different tracks, Mm -hmm. yet we both wanted the same thing. It's so powerful and actually it's a perfect place to talk about your book, How Are You Doing Really? Because you say in the book, so many of us say, I'm fine, oh no, I'm great. Mm -hmm. But how are you doing really? Mm-hmm. Do you think, to your point about identity, yeah. that so many of us, let's say you have the identity of pe- being the person that can carry the load, being the person that holds the family together, mm-hmm. do you think that that's why we give such candid responses without actually being honest with ourselves? I think we're afraid to be honest with ourselves. Let me give you an example of this in context of conversation, and then let's think about how it applies to us individually. So. Um, in the book and in my life, I've shared very openly about our struggles to start a family. And when I was pregnant with Coco, it was actually my third pregnancy. And I remember one day being in the grocery store, really pregnant. It was super hot outside, having small talk with the cashier. And she goes, is this your first? And my heart was split in two in that very moment because part of me wanted to say, yes, this is my first. 
But the other part of me was like, the reality is this is my third. And I paused long enough to ask myself, do I really want to get into this with the cashier? Do I really want her to know my story? Hmm, probably not. But I recognize that a lot of times when we answer that question, how am I really with good, busy, I'm great, I sh I'm blessed, all these things, it's because we're asking ourselves, do I really want to get into it? Like, am I really willing to go there? And will this person or will myself be willing to go there with me? I got a great quote from yours, girl, about this. It's about asking that hard, like the, actually asking yourselves that hard question and yeah. then answering it. We're scared of what we'd hear if we got quiet enough to ask ourselves the questions that matter. Is there more out there? Is this it? Am I actually happy? What's now? What next? Mm -hmm. What's wrong? Mm -hmm. Doesn't that give you goosebumps? It does. It, because it seems so simple mm -hmm. and yet, not being able to answer this question is what holds us stuck, unhappy in lives that we didn't realize, um, maybe that we're even living. Maybe we didn't even realize we can ask more. Mm -hmm. So how do we even start to begin to be okay with asking ourselves the question? Like, we'll get to how do you answer it. Yeah. But how on earth right now can people start to even just recognize, I need to actually ask this question for yeah. myself? Well, I think we all know we do. Mm. And I also think that we've been ignoring our inner knowing for way too long. Like it, it's one of those things where it's like, when you know you gotta like go to the DMV or like, <laughs> I need to go to the dentist and it's nagging on you, right? Like you, it's this one thing that will probably take an hour of your life and you're gonna feel so much better when it's freaking done. Like, why am I putting this off forever? You spend three hours just worrying about the hour yes. you're spending there. And I feel like that's how this question is because it's like, we all know we need to answer it and yet we've been putting it off and the actual art of it is not as bad and scary as it is. It might be hard, it might be uncomfortable, but when you get it over with, when you get through it, when you get past it, you're gonna feel so much better. Have you ever like, um, sometimes my Apple watch will go off and be like reminding me to breathe. Hmm. And I think about it and it's actually quite profound hmm. because it's like, I have been breathing unknowingly, unconsciously my entire life. But when it reminds me to breathe and I actually take that deep belly breath, I'm like reminded of like, oh, I really wasn't like breathing deeply. Or when somebody tells you like, unclench your jaw yeah. or like drop your shoulders and you're like, whoa, I didn't realize like how stressed or rigid or tense I was. And so I would say the easiest way and the easiest place to start is like do a body scan, like close your eyes, pay attention, like where am I feeling tension? Where am I not breathing deeply? Like, where is my body like telling me something or asking me something? And like, that could be like a 60 second thing. Like anyone can do something for 60 seconds. It's like those workouts when they're yelling at you and they're like, 60 more seconds. And they're like, I can do anything for 60 seconds. So that's where I would start. Oh, it's so true. And that's why I actually love the title of your book as well, because it's like, how are you really? Mm -hmm. And I have another quote of yours. The book is so damn good, girl. Um, the Times, so the things that we tried to ignore, the unsent messages, the times we did apologize, but for something we didn't at all need to do, the times we trivialized our accomplishments, the times we said no worries when we felt betrayed, the times we said to our doctor, it's probably nothing but. Woo, mm. how many people listening right now have done said this a million times over? Mm -hmm. So tell us about what it's doing to our bodies, why the unsent messages are actually very dangerous and yeah. how we can now start to pivot and start to 
deliberately send those messages to ourselves. So when I wrote that part, I was thinking about the frustration. Have you ever tried to text and like the little arrow shows up that it's like not sending, like it's not going mm. through. It's mm. like, and you're like, keep pushing the button, like send, send, send. And it's like, where's the Wi-Fi? And it's like, you're freaking out <laughs> and you're like, turning the internet on and off. And like, I did that yesterday when I like landed on the plane and I was like, turn the Wi-Fi on, cellular. Why is this not sending? And our bodies are sending us messages all of the time. I mean, you've experienced it on your own health journey where it, like your body took you to a screeching halt where it was like, no more. We've got to figure this out multiple times. And I think about like these unsent messages where it's like the universe, our intuition, maybe a friend, our bodies are all trying to get through to us, but we just keep on. We keep on being a good girl. We keep on saying yes. We keep on following the American dream. We keep on doing all these things and we ignore all of those messages. And I mean, you've had this as well. I mean, your book talks about this where you look back and you're like, oh, that's what that meant. Or I went through this because mm. hindsight is out was 2020, but what if we could have foresight, right? Like yeah. what if we could be paying attention to what's coming at us these days? And so the line in the book is like talking about all the unsent messages that a 5G network couldn't even handle that we are just like walking through life, like ignoring. And the whole premise of that is like, if we wake up and like start paying attention, we are being guided, whether spiritually, through mentors, through our intuition, through our gut. And a lot of times we are so head down, like in the work, in the busyness, in just being good that we miss like what could be better. Oh my God, that's so powerful. And it becomes like these little decisions mm -hmm. one by one micro that don't seem like a big deal at first mm -hmm. and that's what i love about your book like you really go into all the things that we kind of dismiss yes i'm fine i'm okay like you said it's like you know oh yeah sure this is my fault and it wasn't really you're apologizing over here when you didn't really need to yep. and you kind of think in the moment it's not a big deal yeah but the fact how you put it in your book, like your body stores it yes. and your body starts to really remember those. Mm -hmm. And so do you think that's what really leads us into never asking ourselves this question in the first place? Like, how are you actually doing? I think that we are afraid to do it because if the answer is that I'm not okay, then I've got to face that. Yeah. And I think we're afraid to face it. And it's almost like we're tricking ourselves that like, if we don't acknowledge it, then we don't have to do anything about it. <laughs> and that's scary. All right, so there's a, ma so freaking true, but there's a massive gap, right? There's the starting, it's like, I don't even want to address it because it's really freaking scary. And then what you said slightly earlier was like, when you come out of it, it's the best thing. Yep. So knowing these two bookends, there's this whole freaking mess in the middle. Yep. So what is this first step? So asking ourselves, how are we doing? Is there actually a way to do that? Like, do you suggest, for instance, like a safe place? Or like, because even just saying that to someone right now, yeah. when they are feeling so overwhelmed, yeah. when they are worried that by asking themselves this question, they're gonna break. Mm -hmm. How do you take that first step? Yeah, it's gonna look different for everyone. And one of the things that I was so conscious of in writing the book was that there's a line in it where it's like someone else's directions might not take you to your destination. <laughs> and the reason why I said that, and I say that with so much love because I am someone that loves to like walk people through and here are the steps and the strategies and the tricks. 
I also want people to like have the self-awareness and the self-belief mm -hmm. to come home and to figure out what's going to work for them. So I say that with like, I'm not going to tell you to lay on the floor. Right. I'm not going to tell you to sit in a chair and close your eyes. Like those things don't work for me. What works for me might not work for you, mm -hmm. but how can we figure out honestly how you could start with a minute to yourself? how you could face the answer if it is, I'm not okay, or I'm not happy, or I'm faking that I'm enjoying my life. Mm -hmm. How can you start to lean into the question, whether you do it with someone or yourself? And so the subtitle of my book is finding your truth one answer at a time. And it's not about my truth, it's about your truth. A thousand percent. I'd love for you to share some, a story though of how yeah. you started to notice when this was actually becoming a point in your life yeah. where you started to realize, okay, by not asking myself this question yeah. is gonna be extremely detrimental to my happiness, my career, my relationship. Yeah, so there's a story in the book where I'm sitting in my office and I worked in corporate America, a windowless office, and I can picture my boss's corner office. It was a female boss um, and she was wonderful. I loved her. And she called me into her office and I sat down and I noticed this picture of these two little blonde kids. And I had heard about her children, but she very much kept like her personal life and her work life very separate. And I just said, tell me about your kids. And she goes, you know, if I'm lucky, I get home and I get to see them for like a half hour before bedtime. I wake up, I drop them off at daycare and then the nanny picks them like, and like, I could just tell it was like something really sensitive to her where she, she shouldered a lot of guilt mm. and we move the conversation along and she goes here. Um, I want to outline like our five-year plan for you. And I was like, and it was all typed up and written up. And I was like, never once did anyone ask me like, what do you want? Where do you want to go? What's next? And so I'm staring at this document where it is like, here is the next five years of your life planned out for you. And I had this like sinking feeling, like this realization of like, this is not for me. They were talking about like more money, more responsibility, more things. And I was like, nobody even, nobody even asked if I was content where I'm at. And it was like this gut feeling of like, I've got to get out of here. Like, how am I really, I got to get out of here. I don't know how, but I'm going to figure it out. And I remember I went back to my office and there's this picture of Drew and I on my desk. And I was like, I never want to look at that and be reminded of what I'm missing. Just like she is. I never want that. And I didn't even want kids at the time, but I like envisioned this life. And I'm like, do I want to spend my life sitting at a desk, looking at the person I love in a picture? Or do I want to spend my life looking at the person I love in their eyes? Mm. And that was like, okay, we're going to have to figure this out. So what are we going to do? And so I feel like my, how are you really moments happen with these like little pings of like, sometimes I learn better through what's not for me than understanding what is for me. Like I can tell things I never want to do again. And sometimes that can guide me even more than things that I'm curious about trying. And I think a lot of women get stuck because they're like, I know I want to do something, but I don't even know what it is. Mm. Maybe start with what you don't want to do. Maybe that can be your guide. I love that. And something you said then, so someone giving you your five-year plan yeah. actually was the best gift you could have gotten. And as you're talking, I was like, oh, that's actually really genius. Like, what if everyone right now paused and wrote down 
Not what they want to be doing, but right now where they are, if they kept doing it, where would they be in five years? And then ask themselves if they love that. Yes. Because they almost served you up a, a for, like a fortune teller, like, yeah. hey, this is going to be your future. Do you yes. want it? And it's that visceral gut reaction that almost probably then propelled you into going, this isn't for me. Yes, 100%. And that's what I think is, is fascinating is a lot of times when we try to have visions for ourselves or when we visualize ourselves, it's like we're waiting for the like when, like when I lose the 10 pounds, when I have the baby, when I have the relationship, when I have the money, when I have the house, when... And it's like, if we look at our days or our weeks, or if you pull out your calendar and do an audit, do the things that you're seeing, do they align with the when? Because a lot of times we spend these waiting seasons and we waste them, right? Like we're just like, I'm just waiting for the thing Mm -hmm. to be the thing that's the when. (laughs) Well, what if we actually worked in the waiting season? And I'm not saying hustle, I'm saying work towards that vision. Like, is what you do after you watch this show or listen to this show, is that aligned with the vision that you're holding? Is there a tiny micro step you can take to get one bit closer? And I feel like we get so overwhelmed by these big visions that we let like our procrastination turn into like paralyzation. You know, I mean, yeah. I feel like we both experienced that. Oh God, that. that was so strong, girl. Um, one of my favorite quotes in your book is something like someday is where cool ideas go to die (laughs) always (laughs) it's like like every time we're like someday i'll do that and you know what i think is fascinating about like the world that we live in right now is that a lot of us our character was tested during the pandemic Mm. because we have said for years when life slows Mm. down i will I will pick up a new hobby. I will learn how to play the piano. I will eat healthier. I will cook dinner. I will, you know, go on bike rides, whatever. Well, for many of us, if we were fortunate enough, life did kind of offer us a slowdown. Suddenly our travels were cleared, work obligations were different, whatever that looks like. And we almost had to look ourselves in the mirror and be like, am I who I said I was going to be with a slowdown? Mm -hmm. And do I like who I am in this slowdown? And I think why the book is the perfect book for this time is because as we are navigating out of it, it's like, what do we want to go back to and how do we want to craft a new normal and what does that look like? Mm. And if we didn't get honest with ourselves over the last two years or we didn't have an awakening or we didn't have that nudge or that feeling, how can we invite that right now so that we don't look back to today, two years from now and be like, nothing changed? Because nothing changed. And so what would you say? Like, let's say now people are listening. They're like, I really want to invite this in. What is that first step on inviting it in? In, Because sometimes you've just been so many years ignoring it and pushing it out. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you actually don't realize the door's still locked. Yeah. So how do you start to unlock that? Yeah. So I always think about, like, when you feel safe to answer that question, really. Because... There is a difference. It's like if you're talking to the barista at Starbucks and they ask you how you are, I think good and busy are appropriate responses. (laughs) Not give them your life story. Yes. When you are with your friend, like we were just having lunch, when you're with your friend and they kind of, you know, you get past the good and busy and then you kind of lean in a little bit and you feel safe. So I would first say like, how can you create a safe space, whether it is with someone else or yourself? to have the bandwidth to process and there's a chapter in the book called like feel your feelings like feelings are meant to be felt and it was a massive lesson that I learned in working with a toddler my toddler 
um, who is a deep feeler. Like she is just, I mean, she'll literally sit down and be like, let's talk about my feelings. Um, and we talk about feelings a lot. And I recognized that a lot of times in life, we've believed the lie that like good is the destination. Like we should always just be trying to get to good and happy, right? Like happiness is the goal. Even in children's books, I'll like see when it talks about things, it's like, it's like the goal is to be happy. Well, a lot of us are unhappy and that unhappiness results in us feeling broken. Surely something is wrong with me because, and you talk about this, where your gratitude turned into like the prison, like the handcuffs of like, I, it, gratitude is wonderful. Gratitude is a great practice, but it can also make us belittle the hard or the pain or the like uncomfort mm -hmm. of life. And so if somebody is sitting there and they, they don't even know where to start, like first, how can you create a safe space? Does that look like blocking off an hour of your time and sitting in your car where you don't have distractions? Does it look like standing in the shower where you don't have your phone to numb yourself out? Does it look like taking a weekend trip or a staycation or booking a hotel room? Does it look like sitting in your closet floor while your kids don't know where you are? Like, what does that look like? And it's fascinating to me because if I look back on my decade of entrepreneurship, the biggest times that I had, like the greatest evolutions or breakthroughs, were the times where I gave myself margin and space, like time to think when I cut back on work and I said, okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to paint or I'm going to do different things. And so when we don't create margin and space, we don't have room for creativity. We don't have room for questioning. We don't have room for exploration. We don't have room for curiosity. And I think all of those things are required to actually change. Oh, that's so hard though, when you've been spending so much time blocking out the feelings, mm -hmm. right? So um, you, you even said in the book, like we talk ourselves out of our own feelings. Yes. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah, um, we have numbed out our feelings. And here's kind of an example of a way that we've done this. So even with our best friends, so I have some friends I've been friends with with college. We went to college together. And we'll like voice text. We talk about everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. But I've noticed that whenever we have something hard in our life, we're always like, but it's not that bad because you're doing so much more. Or it's not that bad because I know of a single parent. Or it's not that bad because I know someone has it worse. And our culture has this beautiful awareness, right? We are so aware of how fortunate we are, of privilege, of you know, situations where like other people do have it massively worse. There's no denying it. But when we lean on that or when we compare our hard to someone else's hard, we belittle what's actually happening in our life. I do it all the time. I like, I had a really hard parenting week and I was just like, I feel like a terrible mom. I just don't know how to mother right now. And then I was sending it to my friend and I was just like, tell me it gets easier. Like, tell me. And then I was like, but I'm so lucky and I'm so, you know, and we what? do that. And it's like, when did we enter into a space where we can't say this is hard right now or I need help right now? And so when it comes to emotions, I feel like we do a lot of the same thing where it's like, I'm sad, but I should be happy because of this. And so I've had to teach my daughter, like, if you're sad, it's okay to be sad and like to feel it because when you allow yourself to feel it, then you can start to move forward. If we're just trying to bury it, we all know it erupts at some point, whether it's with our spouse or children or a team or whatever that looks like. And so I've tried to help her give her tools to feel her feelings 
and then move through them. So even before I left for this trip, I left a note for her and it said, remember, and I drew pictures because she can't read the words, said, smell the flowers and blow out the candles to take deep breaths because she'll say, mommy, show me how to do it. And so I'm like, sometimes we need to remember how to smell the flowers and blow out the candles so that we can just sit in our feelings without trying to push them or get past them or move through them too quickly. I'm going to be utterly honest. There is little more damaging to your confidence than feeling weak and helpless and just struggling to get the care that you actually need from your doctor. And trust me, guys, I unfortunately speak from experience because when I was struggling with crippling, crippling gut issues about nine years ago now, it took me years, years to find a doctor that not only could I connect with, but a doctor that actually would listen, wouldn't gaslight me and actually take my words and my experience as truth so that they could actually eventually help me heal and not just to give me another freaking pill and then push me out the door. But now, my homie, you don't have to struggle to find the right doctor for you anymore and that's thanks to ZocDoc. ZocDoc is an absolutely free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and then instantly book appointments with them online. And with ZocDoc, you can actually filter by insurance, location and specialities to find the perfect fit for you, not for your friend, not for anyone else, but for you. Plus, on top of that, you can actually go and read verified reviews from real patients to find the doctor that you can actually trust. And typically, wait times for booking an appointment are days, not weeks because let's face it when you're sick you need to see someone right now so my homie do not i repeat do not neglect your health instead go over to zocdoc.com slash lisa and download the zocdoc app for absolutely free then find and book a top rated doctor today that's zocdoc z-o-c-d-o-c dot com slash lisa zocdoc.com slash lisa god that's so powerful because we really you think you say default right like we all think of happiness as being our default and so if we're not there then something is wrong and but yet so much of my own life Mm -hmm. has the beauty has come through the struggle Mm -hmm. now look it is all in hindsight because when you're struggling it doesn't feel right yes so what do you tell yourselves in those moments where you're feeling down and you know right like because there's a big gap between intellectually knowing and then feeling it yes so when you're feeling sad and you may be saying well i should be happy you know that you well hang on a minute happiness isn't the default but it still doesn't feel real Mm -hmm. is it the deep breaths that then soothes you in those moments so that you're not being overwhelmed by the fact that you think you should quote unquote be happy yeah well even when I was in my tough motherhood week for me I have to turn and like serve others Mm -hmm. like so I was like you know what I'm gonna reach out to three other moms just to say I'm thinking of you hope you're doing okay is there something with the moon cycle going on because our kids are crazy but like we're in this together um because a lot of times I think what I found with emotions is we feel lonely in them right? Mm. And with the world we live in, everyone's showing up with their happy faces online. And so when we're feeling sad or frustrated or anxious or overwhelmed, it feels isolating. And when I feel isolated, I then go into that narrative of like, something's wrong with me. I'm broken. It's me. It's nothing else. It's just me. Something is wrong. And so I found that like when I invite people in or share or 
even just reach out to other people and I hear like, oh, you're not alone or this resonates or like I'm in the thick of it too. I'm like, oh, nothing's broken. This is just a part of the process. I posted these Instagram stories because I had like a marathon work day and Coco woke up at like three in the morning and was literally asking me what the Northern Hemisphere was. At and, three in the morning. Yep. As and, you do. And for two and a half hours, we. Uh, why do people sleep on their backs? Where do dogs sleep? Do cows stand up? What is like? I mean, the questions coming out of this three-year-old were insane. And I posted this Instagram story the next day, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm probably going to delete this." But like, I am just exhausted, and I feel I love being a mom, and I love my work so much, and it just is, feels like so much love to carry sometimes that it's so hard. Because it's like, I feel stretched thin because of the fullness of life. So it's nothing is bad and nothing is broken and nothing is wrong, but like life is full and I don't know if I can always carry that. Mm. And I was like, I think I'm going to delete these, but I just wanted to share where I'm at. Well, my DMs just flooded with people like, oh my gosh, I'm in it. I'm in the thick of it. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, this is normal. Mm. I think sometimes we just want to feel a little less alone and like a little more enough. And so when it comes to feelings, it's like if we know that we are not the only ones, it kind of gives us permission to like sit with it a little bit longer, to like not waste the waiting of like Mm. trying to get back to whatever default we're trying to get back to. And do you think that that was so powerful, but do you think that we keep trying to go back to the default because it's a comfort zone? Like what is that? I think it's just because it's our programming. We've been taught to be happy, Mm. healthy, smile, Mm. show up you know, all those things. And of course, happiness would be a great destination to land on. But if we don't release the pressure that it has to be our go-to state at all times, I think our lives would actually be fuller because, I mean, they always say like the dichotomy, like you don't know how rich happiness can be if you haven't experienced the depth Mm -hmm. of sadness. And when we're like just kind of trying to maintain a status quo, our lives are like bland, right? (laughs) I mean, I feel like there are times where you can look at your calendar and be like, who booked this? Or like, I don't want to do this thing. Or like, why did I say yes to this thing? And it's like, we go through these days just to get through them. Like we're not actually in them. I think that's a problem. Yeah, God, that's so powerful. And so you shared a bit of your story where you lost two children. Yeah. And so to this point of happiness. Yeah. It's going to be a hard question for me to ask, but I hope you're okay to go there. I'll go there. When you have tried to have a child and you've already lost two and now you're on your third one and it's like you feel the blessing. Mm. And in moments that you just said where you're exhausted and this blessing is now a strain and this blessing is now tiring you, stressing you out, definitely do, you know, maybe getting in, not getting in your way, but definitely in competition with where your hours are going to be spent on your business and stuff like that. How do you own those moments without feeling guilty about them? (laughs) I would love to know the answer to that question. Okay. I feel like it's interesting because so motherhood is like the greatest gift of my life. And I have always like when I decided I wanted to be a mom, I wanted to be a really good mom. And it's wild because I have so much confidence in saying I'm a really good mom. Like I am a great mother. And I'm there and I love my kids, but it's interesting because even lately I can find myself questioning like, 
is it is it the right time? Should I be working? Mm-hmm. Should I like even last night? I'm I'm in L.A. to be here with you, and um, I went to sleep and didn't turn on Coco's baby monitor, and she woke up yelling for me, and like that freaking like breaks your heart because you're like I should be there, I should be here, I should be there, I should I need sleep, but I should you know, and it's like I should should should, mm-hmm. and it's like how do you what is balance? And I I found in my journey that like balance doesn't work for me. Like I have to blend things because I can't be one person in one moment and another person in the next. And for me, I tried to do that. Like I wanted to be like mom Jenna and CEO Jenna. And I am just Jenna. I am a whole human being. I mean, we were like eating lunch and I'm pumping, but we're talking about business and like, this is just the dichotomy of what it means. And it's fascinating because Women who work, women with children who work feel guilty because they're not with their kids. And women who stay home with their children feel guilty because they're not contributing or working. Mm -hmm. And it's wild because I've even had to get so careful in my language around using the words like working mom because every mom is working. Mm -hmm. Um, But like a mother with a career or like how I even phrase it because it is such a sensitive thing. And so it's interesting, like on those challenging days, because I love entrepreneurship. I'm a lifestyle entrepreneur through and through. Like I love the lifestyle that entrepreneurship has afforded me. And I'm so content with not growing every year, with not, you know, one-upping myself. I'm like, if I can maintain my lifestyle and maintain living my life, I am living the dream. And so most of the time I have so much flexibility. Like I put kids down for naps all day. I feed Quinn. I'm like half on, half on. I'm like typing with one hand. Like that's the life that I've chosen, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And so it is wild. And it's also really hard because it's like, I prayed so hard for these kids. And so I see them as just like the best miracles in the world, but that doesn't mean that it's not hard still. Like joy and gratitude can exist with challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you find the space to live in that? And it's uncomfortable. It's so true. And it's really uncomfortable. And the reason why I asked that question yeah. is because I really think it's relevant on every aspect of someone's life. It doesn't matter 100%. if it's kids. Yep. If you're trying to go for something, yep. a sports career, or starting a business, a family, and you try and you fail, and you try and you fail, and you try, and then you succeed. But there are moments of exhaustion. Yeah. There are mo- moments of tears and unhappiness and sadness. And what the hell am I doing? Like in every aspect. But when, when we fight hard for something mm-hmm. and, we keep, and we tell everybody, this is what we're gonna do. And then in those moments where we've got it and yeah. we're shattered, yeah. we feel guilty about saying how tired we are mm-hmm. because most people actually will respond, well, you want that's what you wanted, yes. right? And so yes. now you're like, I have no space to have mm-hmm. an exhale, mm-hmm. to do the, what was it? The blow out the candle, yes. the smell yes. the roses, blow yes. out the candle. Um, I've got no space to do that because now I feel guilty about saying when something's tough. Yep. And I think that's doing such a disservice and going to like the parenting thing, I can only imagine what that feels like when it's a human being. I know. Right, where it's like, I've been wanting this child and yet it's freaking difficult. And there yes. are times where I, I need help, I'm, I'm struggling. And we feel like we are, and I think going back to the very first question of how do we get stuck? Mm-hmm. It's these little things, those mm-hmm. little moments where we don't feel like we can exhale, we don't feel like we can talk to people yep. because there's no one there to greet us. Yeah. Oh gosh. 
you know, one thing that I started doing, um, actually I did it to you last week, but, um, in reaching out to people who have big things going on, whether you just had a baby, Mm. you're launching a book, you're starting a business is not projecting what I think they should be feeling. And so, uh, one of my friends had a baby recently and I messaged her and I said, on a scale of one to five, where are you at today? Are you needing encouragement or are you feeling on top of the world? Because I remember when I first had Coco, um, I was just so grateful. Like she's safe, she's healthy. Like, I mean, it was better than a million bucks. But people would be like, oh, you must be so exhausted. You must, and they were projecting that. And I was like, oh, I actually like, I'm doing really good. And then there would be times where people would be like, isn't this the best age? And I'd be like, oh my gosh, this age is so challenging. And so I've tried to start approaching conversations and mean like, tell me where you're at and what you need before I project how you should be feeling or how I think you are feeling. Because when we do that, it doesn't give space. Imagine telling a new mom, like, you must be overjoyed, but really they're overwhelmed. They would feel crazy to say, actually, I'm like in a really dark place or, you know, and so I've been trying to like start conversations of like, tell me where you're at so I can converse accordingly, so I can support you accordingly. Um, And I think that's really changed a lot. And I think if we did that for ourselves too, of like, instead of thinking how I should feel, like, where am I at? On a scale of one being miserable and five being on top of the world and vibrant, where am I at? And when you answer the question honestly, and you realize you're at like a zero, or a one how do you then start to change that because when you asked me actually it's interesting yeah. I think it was like a one to ten you asked yeah. me and I went to put one and then part of me felt guilty about putting a one because I was like well I don't want her to think I'm really that bad so let me just put a three I can't remember what I ended yeah. up answering you but it was interesting how I processed my answer to you in order to but it, In fact, in real time, I'm actually processing this now. What was interesting is it allowed me to process, am I actually feeling that bad or am I just tired? In fact, it was your check-in. In fact, oh my God, I have told you about this. It is the best line in your book. Do you need to change careers or just take a nap? Yes. I actually laughed out loud because it's so true. Yes. When you get to burnout, you're like, I need to move places. I need to move countries. What the hell am I doing with my career? And then you take a nap and you eat well and you you sit in the sun and all of a sudden you're like, I love my career. Isn't that funny? There's a story in my book when I hit burnout and I literally like wanted to take my laptop and like control alt delete the whole thing and like chuck it out the window. And thank God I took like some melatonin and like took a little snooze and like woke up the next day and was like, oh, I'm okay. And I always come back to this idea of like what we need is rest. And it's like that rest don't quit idea of like we quit and give up so easily because it's hard or we're tired or we're lacking resources or whatever it is when really we just need to slow our pace down. Or we need to remember that like we've already come so far or we just need to take a break or take a step away. And so, so many people I think are walking around with this guilt of not having achieved what they thought they would or not following through on their commitments or not achieving the goal when really all they needed was a break. They just needed to rest. And 
I sometimes recognize that in myself where if I have a, like a idea I'm so excited about, but then I find myself in it and I'm like, oh, what was I thinking? This is crazy. I'm like, I don't need to quit it. First, I just need to rest. <laughs> um, I interviewed Nastia Lukin, who's an Olympic gymnast. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I will never forget part of her interview where there, I asked her, were there days that you ever wanted to quit? And she goes, oh, there are so many days. But my parents, her dad was her coach, said you can only quit on a good day. And I think about that a lot because if you asked anyone on a good day, would you quit? They wouldn't, right? I mean, 99% of the people would be like, hell no, this is amazing. And so I've always thought about that when I'm having a bad day because I'm like, would I quit if this was a really good day? No. Okay, then I just need to rest. That's a true test right there. Yes. And I feel like it's, it's such a powerful thing because... Um, when we think about the story in my book where I'm talking about, like, you don't have to move zip codes and all these things. It's like so many of us, and I feel like even culturally right now, we've experienced burnout, like as a culture Mm -hmm. through what we've all been through, through all the uncertainty, it's like, we're just burnt out on uncertainty. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, where's the breakthrough? And I hope that for some people, the breakthrough is in them understanding what they are willing to do and what they won't do and like what they want to do and what they will refuse to do and what boundaries will look like and how they want to move forward and I feel like we have this beautiful invitation right now to craft a new life like we kind of get this fresh start it's like why we love Mondays and January 1st and the start of months is like we all are craving a new start like a fresh beginning And it's like any day can be your fresh beginning. But like, what would it look like if you were well rested and like awake to your life and like awake to the vision and like willing to progress? And we always use this line in my book. It's like where the woo meets the work, because so many of us are believing that we have to be in one camp or the other. And I really, truly believe that there are two camps, especially for women right now. It's the manifestation side, you know, dream it and it'll come. Just say what you want into the universe. I'll bring it to you. And the hustle side, the Mm -hmm. wake up at 5 Mm a.m., grind a little harder, don't give up, be relentless in your pursuit. And these camps have become polarizing like everything else on planet Earth of like it's one or the other, it's this or that. And I want more room for the and. Mm -hmm. And so one of the words and lines that we use in my book often is it's where the woo meets the work, where we can have these manifestations and these visions, but we also are willing to do the work to make them happen. I mean, it's like actual proven science that manifestation. I had Dr. Tara Swart on the podcast and um, her interview was fascinating. And I was like, tell me about manifestation. Does it really work? She said, the reason why it works is if you keep the vision close enough to you, you will keep moving towards it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of like when you are on the market to buy something new, like you're going to buy like new shoes or a new purse or whatever it is that you like to buy, you all of a sudden start noticing them, yeah, right? Yeah. And so if you have that vision close enough, you start to notice that things can work and things are happening and things can unfold or invitations are coming your way. And so I want to invite people to recognize that like it's not one or the other, it can be an and. And when we hold visions and when we come out of this, I hope we have a vision, we can start to put the work behind it. Okay, so much that you just said there. First of all, I love the line you even say because your podcast, Gold Diggers, you're like, but look, be a gold digger 
but also be a go-getter. Yes. And that's the second part that a lot of people miss. Yes. And so I love that you said that. It's like, look, you need the vision yep. in order to know where you're, how to act, yep. but you also have to act. Yes. And then leaning on what you just said about boundaries, I really want to go down in here because I really want people to know everything you say, you are the epitome of practicing what you preach. So sometimes I'll text you yeah. or you'll text me like, sorry, I just woke up from a nap. Yeah. And I'm like, I love your life. I know. Like, but here's the thing, it wasn't accidental. Yeah. And that was the thing, like when I hear, when we talk a lot and you know, you, oh, I just had a nap or I had a massage. Yeah. You, you work hard at your work. Yeah. But you also give yourself utter grace and beauty to take the nap, yeah. to do the rest. Yeah. And you are such the epitome of that. And um, to do that, you said your hero is boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yes, let's talk about it. Boundaries are fascinating to me because I feel like there was this line back in the day in Sex in the City. And when I was emo and had AOL Instant Messenger, I remember I used that line in my or in my AIM profile at one point. But it's something about like how boundaries keep things out. Like we, we believe that boundaries are like these fences that like keep things or people or opportunities out. But I have learned the exact opposite, that boundaries keep me in my life. They keep me in the moment. They keep me in alignment. They keep me living in integrity. And I really learned this so much when I became a new mom and I realized that like I was lacking boundaries. Like in the, in one minute I could be like typing an email for work and then I'd be feeding a baby. And I recognized that like, if I want to truly blend these things, I have to have boundaries because I don't want to get a text message when I'm with my family out at the zoo and all of a sudden I'm thinking about work and it pulls me out of my life. Like I want to be in the moments that I'm in. And so when I create boundaries, whether it's with my team or relationships or what I will say yes and no to, it really keeps me living in integrity with what I say are my values. Because we all say that certain things are our values, but our actions do not line up, right? And that's just the human nature. I'm not perfect at that, but I try really freaking hard. And it's funny because, you know, I'll hear people talk about their values or like family first or all these things. Well, like, you look at their life and it's like, when do they even have time for their family? Or like, you know, I enter entrepreneurship to have freedom, but I'm like tied to my work. Like, how does this happen? And so I love boundaries. I exercise them, but I do it with grace and I do it with conviction. And here's a good example. When Coco was born, I literally blacked out my entire calendar and said, I'm going to say no to everything for an entire year because I didn't know what motherhood would feel like. I didn't know how I would feel. I said no to everything. I told my team, don't even let me see emails. I don't even want to see opportunities because they're going to feel sparkly and shiny and nothing is shinier than being home with my kid. And it was a beautiful thing because I wrote a template and it basically said, thank you so much for this invitation. I'm so flattered or honored that you reached out to me. And I just want you to know that I'm going to politely decline, but it is not in any way a reflection of you, your idea, your invitation. It is only a reflection of me living out my values. If I say yes to you, I'm saying no to what matters the most to me or what I say matters the most to me. And I just want you to know that I am cheering you on. I wish you the best. And I hope that in doing this and doing it in this way, it invites you to live out your values in a stronger way. And never once did anyone get angry with me. We're always so worried about disappointing people. In fact, I think that that response inspired more people than disappointed them. So 
What are the steps to get there? A, acknowledging that you absolutely need the boundary in the first place of yep. where things aren't serving you. Yep. Um, and then how do you start to implement it? Because everything you said is so beautiful, yeah. right? Showing someone grace. Girl, I'm so freaking with you there. Yeah. Because when you think about it from the flip, when someone's putting a boundary on you, how would you want them to say, hey, you're crossing a boundary, stop yes. doing that? Or would you want them to go, you know, I'm really doing this because it's for me. I'm so yes. happy. Hopefully this helps you. Yes. It's like, wow, shit, that's amazing. Yeah. So it gives a great perspective. But some people are too petrified mm -hmm. to even say to themselves, you deserve to set a boundary. Yes. So how on yeah. earth did you even realize that you were worth it? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that I feel like we are so afraid of saying no because we are afraid of losing momentum. Mm-hmm. Whether that's momentum in motherhood, career, relationship, we worry that setting a boundary is going to pause or slow down our success and that we'll never be able to catch back up. Mm -hmm. It is like this fear of God in us that if we pump the brake, we won't know where the gas pedal is. Mm -hmm. And I think that the reason that is is because so many of us feel like our success had to have been a fluke or that we were lucky or that someone gave us our big break or that we're never gonna get this opportunity again. We gotta strike while the iron's mm. hot. Well, the iron is hot when you turn the iron on, friend. <laughs> you know? Like, don't, like I have seen so many women who are like just running and they're like, I'll slow down when, when things slow down. Nothing's gonna slow down. Has life slowed down, you know? And so it's like, when did we stop trusting ourselves to know how to turn the iron on? I'm gonna steal that by the Please way. That is do. so amazing. Please do, because it's like, it's so wild. So when it comes to boundaries, we refuse to set them because we are just waiting for our next big break. Mm. We are just waiting mm. for invites to keep the momentum when we don't realize like we were the source in the beginning. Mm. Like other people's things aren't working for you because they're not from you. Like they didn't come from you. And so with boundaries, I mean, first things first is like, pull out your calendar and do an audit. What do you never wanna do again? What are you mad that you agreed to? What do you see on your calendar and you're like, I never want to see that again. Now, I mean, some things you've got to keep, whether it's like taking your kid to soccer practice or like doing the laundry or whatever, but there I'm are gonna, going to- I'm going to challenge you on doing yeah, the laundry. <laughs> preach, preach, you're right. But there are so many opportunities for us to create like a not to-do list. Yeah. It's like oh, our lives are like that. constant to-do lists. And there are things, so like for me being in alignment, was like the first step was when I was a wedding photographer, it was like, I'm gonna take one weekend off each month, which in the Midwest, the wedding season is six months long. That's like literally cutting out a chunk of your income. But I was like, I don't even enjoy summer anymore. I don't even enjoy it because I don't have time for it. I missed friends' weddings. I missed family cabin weekends. When I was with my family, I brought my computer with. I was constantly tethered. I was never off. And so what is one small way that you can do that? And usually a calendar audit will show you like, here's what your life is saying about your values, your priorities, and your goals, because this is what you're doing. And how we spend our days is how we spend our life. And so I would start with that and do a not to do list. And the second piece of that, and there's a chapter in the book about this, where it's like, what is your enough point? And a lot of us are overworking ourselves because we're so afraid of like scarcity but we don't recognize that there is an enough point where what we have is enough, what we've earned is enough, that our work is enough. And I have pivoted so many times in my career 
And the only way I've ever been able to pivot and try something new was saying, I am only going to book the bare minimum to pay the mortgage or to buy the groceries or whatever it is. And I'm going to just free up my time. My time is more valuable than my money right now. And when we work out of our place of like our enoughness, we feel the safety and security necessary to then be able to have the freedom for creativity and margin and rest. But so many of us don't even know what an enough point is. We don't know like what is the bare minimum that I need to do. And we also don't know how to cut it off when we hit that point, right? Right. So it's like more is more. More is not always more. More is not always better. And so I love, and you guys talk about this all the time too, is it's like money will only buy you happiness to a certain extent. And I remember the day that I hit six figures and I was like, I thought this would feel different. I am so burnt out. I'm exhausted. I would way rather make $50,000 and have weekends free time with my husband. Like this, I have money in my bank account and I can't even enjoy it. And so I had to establish an enough point. And I told you, I remember, I literally made this like color-coded spreadsheet and sat him down and I said, I'm going to tell you something and I just want to know if you agree. And I said, I am willing to cut my work in half and go back to making $50,000 a year because I was happier. Are you with me on that? Are you okay with me? And he looked so relieved Mm -hmm. where he was like, you're right. We don't need more. We've got more than we ever needed. We were happier you were more available and present. And so it's like every time I've hit those thresholds, I'm like, what is my enough point? What do we need? And how do I just meet my basic needs and then claim back my time? And that's, so that's what you do every time. Every time. like my enough point. And now I don't need anything. Mm. So now it's like, I work out of a place of like, I want to do this, not I have to do this, Ooh. which is crazy. How much has that changed? How you feel about yourself, how you show up every day? how you think I love it because I don't have to do anything like I know that I could like hang up and like go live in the woods for the rest of my life and that would be a really good life but I love what I do so much Mm -hmm. and I show it because I love it but it also gives me that feeling of like I don't have to do anything yeah so anything you see me doing from this point on is because I want to and that's exciting I love that. Mm -hmm. Go, you've been through such an evolution of like careers and the way you show up every day. And in that, there were things that you've done that you're like, I said I'd never do this and now I do. I said I'd never do this and now this is the best thing that's happened to me. Mm -hmm. So many people get stuck in the contradiction. So many people will spend the rest of their lives not addressing what they now want because they fear or the judgment of the fact that they said once upon a time they were gonna do this. Go, this freaking haunts me. How on earth do you approach those things and make change, whether it's going against judgment, going against opinion. Yeah. Because man, if we can figure out this thing where people can go, oh my God, yes. Yeah. I, I can give myself the freedom to say, I said I'd never do this and, and now here I here am, I am yeah. and I'm going to own it. Yeah. It's funny. There is this idea of identity foreclosure. Yeah. And it's like, it's the reason why we hang on to our genes from high school. It's the reason why we finish degrees when we know they weren't the right choice. It's because we're like, but I already paid for this or I've already spent two years. Why would I waste it? Why are we wasting two more years when we know it's not the right thing? And so it is crazy because, and I experienced this in real life when I left my corporate job that had like a five word title that sounded really impressive and became a photographer and people treated me like it was a hobby. 
I went through this total identity crisis of like, how do I tell people that like my business is important and how do I make them understand that like I'm really good? Mm. And it was wild to me because I was like, man, like we lean on things like as absolutes, right? Like the executive position or the CEO title or like all these things sound so important. And it's wild because I, so when Drew and I got married, we were 23 and we were like, we're never having kids. I mean, we were very confident in that. And we were married for five years and we were just, we loved our lives. We loved our freedom. We loved sleep. We loved all of these things. And we were just very content and I loved it. And I loved that time in our life. Um, Both of our parents were married for five years before they had kids. And so it was kind of a great thing where neither of our parents were like in a rush, but I think it also devastated them when we were like, nope, we're not having kids. Never. You've been through that. (laughs) Um, And then my heart started to change and it was weird because I'm like, I have spent a lot of time and energy and money trying not to have this thing. And now I've changed my mind. And I also didn't know what Drew would think, like, because we had had these conversations. So you guys went through the reverse. Literally, which I'm fascinated Literally the reverse. You wanted four kids and you were going to be the mama at home. And I was like, never. And now we're like sitting here flipped. Um, and I remember, I think a big thing for us is when our brothers both became dads and we got to see someone so close to us change and step Mm. into that new identity Mm. and also kind of see the reality of like what that meant. And I remember kind of being like, I don't know, I think I might want this and like really worried about it because I was really at a good place in my career. And, you know, there was just things where I was like, these are the opportunities I've waited for. Am I going to ruin it all by now having changed my mind? Mm. And I start off that chapter saying, like, remember when our yearbooks and you were like, never change. I can't, you know, I, I love you for who you are, all these things. And, and I wish that the messaging was like, I can't wait to watch you change. I can't wait to watch who you're going to become. I can't wait to watch you evolve. And I feel like my life has been this conscious meeting of myself often like I am like getting to know who I am all the time it's like every big thing every milestone everything that has changed every new project it's like who am I and like Mm -hmm. do I like her and like how can I get to know her I will there is a quote by um, Ruby Carr who's like I will only be this version of myself right now like I want to sit and be with her for a while and I love that because I think we often box ourselves in. We kind of put, there's a line in the book where it's like, we put ourselves into like personality Tupperware Mm. where we're like trying to separate, like these are the pieces of me and these are the thing, the ways I describe myself. And like, this is who I am where it's like, who can I become? And so when I changed my mind and when Drew was on board and also had changed his mind, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, well, I'm going to eat my words and I mean, I had recorded a podcast of like 10 reasons why I won't be a mom. Oh my God. Like, I didn't hear that. There was so, oh, I mean, I was committed. Oh my God. And there have also been podcasts where I'm like, I will never write a book. Okay. So these are, per- these are perfect. How on earth do you start mm. to listen to the whisper? Because yeah. I think that's where it yeah. starts, right? Yeah. It's not like all of a sudden one day you go, oh my God, I actually want a kid. Everyone, <laughs> hey, I know I said I didn't, but now I do. It doesn't happen like that, right? Yep. It starts with this little whisper. Yep. This little inkling, this yep. little feeling. Nudge. And Yeah, the nudge. Mm-hmm. And then that gets a little louder and yep. a little louder. I'm looking for that pivotal moment where yep. people go, 
I'm going to shut this, lock it in a box and throw away the key because I never want anyone to hear mm. the thoughts of how much I want to change, but I'm never going to. Mm -hmm. So many people do that and they'll spend yeah. the rest of their lives so dedicated to that one commitment they made yeah. way back in the day. Yeah. But you didn't. No one remembers those things. We remember those yes. things. Someone yeah. the other day, I was on a podcast with her and she was like, I'm so embarrassed because I announced to my audience that I was going to do a podcast with this person and it fell through and I'm just so embarrassed. And I was like, I'm a very close follower of you and I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, it's like, we all forget, like we have our own microscope up to our own lives, mm -hmm. right? Everyone is also head down in their own life. No one is paying that close of attention. There have been times in my life where I've made decisions based around other people or like, I want to move, but like, what if I move and then like everyone moves away or like, I want to stay here because of our community. And it's like, no one else is making decisions based on me. Mm -hmm. So why am I making decisions based on everyone else? And like, for me, I love contradicting myself because I think it shows evolution. Like there are things that I listened to that I said as like absolutes. Yeah. And there are things even that I wrote in this book where I'm like, 10 years from now, I'm going to look at this and be like, oh, you <laughs> sweet little Jenna, you had no idea. But I think that's because I have poised myself proudly as a student of life. I am in life school and life school means that I'm going to be learning. And if I'm learning, I'm growing. And if I'm growing, I'm evolving. And that's the human experience that we're missing. And so if we can like poise ourselves like at the starting line without disqualifying ourselves from the race before it even begins, that's where we actually make progress. So I love contradicting myself because to me, there's no greater compliment than somebody saying you've changed. I love that so much. And so really I do believe it's a framing, right? Absolutely. So in those moments, telling yourself that is so important yep. because so in fact, telling yourself like, there's so much power. It just yeah. right now, I want everyone at home to go, yeah, I'm a walking contradiction. Yeah. But like even saying it like that, like, yeah. yeah. Because I think it does take that ownership of it. Absolutely. And for me, to what you're saying is, because I used to, um, it used to hold me back. I was yeah. like, well, I can't say this out loud. I've just told everyone I want four children. Yeah. God, I can't tell people I don't want kids now. Yeah. I've literally told my husband I want four children. Yeah. And now I've changed my mind. I realize that what I do now is I express that I recognize I'm changing my mind. Yeah. Like oh, there's yeah. something like, but back in the day, I never would. I would have tried to hide. Yep. Like, hopefully people don't remember this part of me. And hopefully, and it's that fear yeah. of, I hope people don't remember this part that brings up so much anxiety that doesn't allow me to own this other part. Yeah. But in leaning into the admission yeah. of the fact that you're a gr you're growing and that you pride yourself on change. Yeah. Like perspective is everything, girl, and you yeah. just freaking like laid it out so well and beautifully right there. Mm -hmm. Because I really do think it's those moments, like this whole discussion, yeah. it's about what gets us stuck. Yes. What are the things that stop us from progressing, from moving forward, from having the life we really want? Mm -hmm. And like that last little nugget of gold is so strong. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting to me because like, if somebody told me like, I'm going to change my mind, I would be like, awesome. But it is wild to me how like hesitant we are. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things where it's like, I always think about this. This is such a dumb example, but I think it's relevant where people will like log off of social media and then they'll come back and be like, I'm so sorry I was away. <laughs> and I was like, 
nobody knew you were away and yet we're all walking around with like guilt and shame that like we're not doing what we said we would do when really maybe it was never meant for us and when we think about our lives it's like no one is like in your life like looking at every move you make and like analyzing it except for you mm. and it's like you talk about this so much where it's like we are our own worst critic like we mm. are the narrators of our story but there's this part in my book where it was like what if you were the director of your own life like you didn't just cast yourself as the extra or the helper but like you actually imagine like the scenes of your life as the director and the lead and like, what if you could like help orchestrate what you really want to have happen? Mm. And so it is so fascinating to me when people get so wrapped up in pe other people's opinions, because I absolutely fall into that trap. I don't know if you felt this way, but like when writing the book, it's such an internal process. Mm. It's such a, like a cathartic thing. And then people start reading it. And like, even my mom came over when I was like in the final manuscript days. And like, I was like, you can read this one chapter, but like, that's it. And like, we're writing but like it's it's this experience and then you're like i'm releasing it and now people are reading it mm. and i was like am i gonna be like so crushed if i get like a negative review and i was just like freaking out about it so i, I asked myself i said what are like my favorite books like the best books i go up on amazon pull it up to read reviews oh they had negative reviews that's hilarious because i freaking loved that book mm. And I like reminded myself that like every person who's out there doing something great, even the people that I'm like, oh, they would never get criticism. I'm like, that is just a part of the human process. Mm. And so it is so funny to me when people get so wrapped up in like what people would think about a contradiction or what people would think if you changed or what people would think if you pursued something new. So much so that it holds you back from doing it. Man, we're like missing out on life. I agree. And I think that a big part of it, though, is that it's a reflection of us, right? Yes. And so it's actually saying to us, well, hang on, what are the contradictions maybe I'm ignoring? Or what are the contradictions that I'm not paying attention to? You know, like all. Yes, absolutely. It like shines a light, um, yeah, on our lives. And I think that by saying to someone else, or like, oh, you're not going to do that. Like, why is that a belief system that you have? Or even just to your point about apologizing on social for disappearing. Yeah. It's like, why do you feel the need to apologize? Like, what is it? It's like, well, I didn't want to let people down. But we, like, keep digging, yes. right? Keep peeling yes. back the onion. Because I think ultimately it reveals something within inside you. Absolutely. That maybe you're feeling like, well, I really struggled here. And so my struggle um, meant I disappeared. And so maybe I let people down. But I felt like I let people down because maybe I let myself down. Right? Yes. Like, actually freaking unpeeling to see why you feel the need to apologize to, it doesn't have to be unsocial, right? Yeah. To anyone. Yeah. Or to even say your contradiction that I'm changing. Yes. Well, it's funny to me because I often think about like, for me, this is my personal opinion, but I really think that I feel shameful when I have a goal or vision and I'm like, I'm going to commit to this thing mm -hmm. and I fall through on it. And I feel so much shame that then I don't even want to try it again. It's like self-sabotage. Like for me in my life, a lot of times it's health where I'm like, I'm going to eat super clean. I'm going to do this. I'm going to like, and then the minute I like reach for a DQ Dilly bar, which Dilly bars are really good from Dairy Queen, just in case you want to know when I was pregnant. Anyways, when I reach for a Dilly bar, I'm like, oh, I am. I'm not living into who I said I was. And I feel this like immense guilt and shame. And 
we all kind of put ourselves on these shame cycles where it's like we get inspired, we overcommit, then we fall through, then we feel guilt, then we feel shame, then we get inspired and we keep doing this over and over and over again. And the problem isn't that we aren't following through on our commitments. The problem is that we're not seeing that even small progress is progress. Mm. And like for me, I have to build up my belief. And I do that by these micro actions and by like the tiniest, tiniest commitments that move me closer. Like I would rather inch my way to a dream than try to sprint and burn out. And I feel like I live my life like that. Like even when I plan out my work and stuff, it's like, let me just inch closer because I know that if I burn out, I'm done. Like I'm, I, I will lose my passion. I will lose my excitement. And so we forget that like any progress is still progress and we hold ourselves to these impossible standards. And then we get down on ourselves when you don't follow through on them. And so I really think if we like asked anyone, like, what are you feeling guilty about in your life right now? It would be things that we told ourselves we would do, but we weren't able to follow through. I love that you said it really stuck with me. Maybe this is the name of your next book. No pressure. Yeah. Um, inch closer. Yeah. Like, I'm all about mindset. Yeah. What are the words I'm going to use yeah. in moments of struggle? That's it. Like, I, I don't judge myself on having the thoughts. I don't judge myself on feeling down or feeling defeated. It's just what am I going to do when I get there? Yeah. Inch closer is freaking powerful. Yeah. I'm going to steal that as well. That's so good. Because in moments where I feel like I should have done this, I should have done that, the shoulds, right? Yeah. I'm going to tell myself, but Lisa, you inch closer. Yeah. Just a tiny bit. It's funny, when I was in the book writing process, and if you read my book, the very, my, the epilogue is my favorite part. The story of the massage therapist and the mouse. Yes. I was so happy you put that in the book. I know. And you'll have to read it. That is my favorite part. Like when I got to read that for the audiobook, I was like, oh. Mm. Anyways, um, this massage therapist was a part of my life throughout the book process. And I remember I went to see her, um, to get a massage and I was in the writing stages and she said, I keep envisioning, um, this tree. She goes, imagine like you wouldn't want to sit a chair in front of a tree and watch it grow because what's above ground looks the same. But what's underground is these roots digging deeper and strengthening and and inching and inching out and inching out and spreading. And she goes, no one would really want to sit and watch a tree, but the real growth isn't there for the people. The real growth Mm -hmm. is underneath. And I feel like nowadays we share so much of our lives or our goals or things online, the visible things, that things can look really good, but they can feel awful. Mm -hmm. And I want to be like a tree, like slow growth and deep roots. Like I want the kind of growth that people can't see, but they can experience, they can feel it. And I think that's the real kind of growth we desire in our lives, but it's not shiny. Mm -hmm. It's not shareable, but it's the kind of growth that like literally gives you that peace. Like that feeling like when you're with someone and you're like, ah, they're just grounded. They know who they are. It's a beautiful feeling. And that's the kind of growth that I think that we need to start shifting to in this world that's so connected but lonely, in this world that is so beautiful but broken. It's like we're just craving like deeper roots, but we're not necessarily willing to like let the process of that happen. Jenna. I love you. I love you too, girl. This book is so freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. Like seriously, it's such a beautiful reflection of you 
who you show up to be every day and to be the witness of who you are now mm. and to be such an inspiration to me. Girl, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And where can people pick up this amazing book? You can grab the book at howareyoureallybook.com. Um, JennaKutcher.com is the hub of all the things, my podcast and everywhere else you'll see me. Um, and find me on Instagram at Jenna Kutcher. I love hearing what people's takeaways were. I think that's the best part of conversations like this and of writing a book. So don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for having me. Guys, guys, go check out the book. Check out this woman. She's freaking fire. Until next time, guys, be the hero of your own life. Peace out.